You know, I love that our church is for all generations, and specifically to that video, to the next generation. And I love our student ministry. I think they do an incredible job of just investing and pouring in Jesus to the next generation of our church. And so thank you, Connell and Jeremy out at Webster, for loving our teens and building that foundation of who Jesus is in their lives. And man, I don't know about you, but I am pumped for today. Come on, you excited today? Come on, I'm excited. Yeah, today is open baptism. It's our baptism service. And here's what I believe. God's going to do some, God's already done some incredible things. We saw 30 people just last over our campus, 30 people go public with their faith in baptism. And man, some of you showed up today, you have no plans of getting baptized, but God has plans for you, you know, and he just works in awesome, incredible ways. It's going to be an awesome day of celebration, of celebration and life change. And if you're a guest here, I, I, I don't think you could pick a better day to experience Northridge Church and get a glimpse of who we are and what we believe and to see how God is moving in the life of this body of believers. And so let me just start by saying welcome. Welcome home. Welcome to the family. Welcome to our campuses at online at Webster and here in Rochester. It's great to have each and every one of you. And something you need to know about me is I don't love to be surprised, right? I don't really like surprises and I don't like to be surprised. And At the end of the day, it's kind of my own issue. I like control, right? I'm a control freak, and when someone surprises me, I lose the control that I desperately want. So every once in a while, my my beautiful bride, Ashley, will surprise me. And sometimes I think she does it just because I don't like it, (laughs) right? She's like, yeah, I'm a surprise Drew. Right? And, and so she'll surprise me with, you know, she'll book a restaurant and I don't know where we're going. She'll book a getaway and she won't tell me where we're going. Or she'll just give me a gift and I won't know what it is. And I'm, I'm, I'm probably one of the worst people to surprise because, you know, whether she gives me a gift or plans something, I, I have like a zillion questions as we get to that space. Or as I look at the gift, I shake it. I'm like, what is this? Give me a clue. And I, I just guess it and guess it and guess it. And, or where, where are we going? I, I don't know. Where are we going? Well, give, me, you give me a clue. Can you tell me? Is it warm? Is it hot? And I just bombard her and bombard her with all these questions, hoping she would tell me so I could have control again. And it comes to the point where my wife just, she gives me that look, right? No one else knows what the look is but me. And it's that look of like, hey, I'm going to hurt you. And you never want to get that look from my wife. And at the point that she just gets so frustrated with me, she just looks at me, she's like, Drew, would you just trust me? Would you just trust me with a little bit of the plans for what we're going to be doing? And we've been talking about that issue that probably all of us have in trusting. Not just in our our everyday relationships, our human relationships, but with our relationship with God. And we've been walking through this series called Against All Odds, and, and, and we've really kind of built to this point where today we're going to see the, the early followers of Jesus having to trust God in maybe one of his most confusing acts. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to be there in Acts chapter 1. I'd encourage you to grab your device, your Bible, turn there, Acts chapter 1. You can go to the Northridge Church app. It's easily downloadable. You can take notes in there as well. If you haven't been with us, let me just catch you up real quick. For seven weeks, we've been talking about just one issue, one word, trust, and learning where trust comes from, how we can grow in our trust, and ultimately to get to this point where we trust God fully in every season, in every circumstance. And last week, we looked at maybe one of the hardest places to trust God is when his plans for our lives hurt. 
When his road for our life is bumpy and rocky, it's hard to trust God. And we actually saw that through God trusting God. Jesus, the son, trusting God, the father, with a painful path for his son. And we were given a window into that through the Garden of Gethsemane right before Jesus goes to the cross and he prays this vulnerable prayer, but he ultimately says, God, I'll trust you. And so then Jesus goes to the cross. If we pick it up here at this, the climax of this series, Jesus goes to the cross and he dies. Now, can you imagine this for a second? You're an early follower of Jesus. And you've kind of put all your, your hope, all of your eggs in the basket of Jesus because you've followed him for three, maybe two years. You watched him. And you saw him love people. You saw him do the miracle after miracle. You saw him raise people from the dead. And you're like, this guy's different. This is the Messiah, the son of God, and you believe it, and you put all your hope there, and then all of a sudden, this guy who you thought it was different is now dead, gone. Can you imagine what that must have felt like for the early church follower, the early follower of Jesus? Like, wait, 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 I thought he was different. I thought he was the son of God, and he's dead on a cross. All your hope in Jesus was just taken from you. You're devastated. And the early followers, the disciples of Jesus were, when Jesus died, they scattered. They were full of fear. They were nervous because all their hope had been taken away. But then three days later, Jesus resurrects from the grave. He defeats death and he comes back to life. And the early followers of Jesus are like, oh my word, I didn't see that coming. This is amazing, like Jesus is, is alive, like holy smokes, like all your hope was gone and then that leads to elation when you're like, whoa, Jesus is who he said he is. He's alive and we pick it, the story up in those circumstances. Jesus comes back to life and goes to his early followers. Look what it says, it says, then they gathered, that's his followers, around him, that's Jesus, and asked him, Lord, are, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And you can almost, in this question, see the, the excitement and the elation in their voice. They're like, wow, Jesus, you're, you're alive. You were dead, and, and now you're alive. And like, yo, Jesus, okay, because you're alive, are we going to take over the world now? Like, well, let's go. All the momentum is in our favor. Like, woo, you, you're alive. Let's do this thing, Jesus. We're ready. And you can see the excitement. You can hear it. They're like, man, our Savior is the real deal. Let's go take over the world, Jesus. And look what he says to them. It's kind of odd. He says, he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. And so his early followers like, wow, Jesus, let's go change the world, right? You are alive. Let's go show people, right? Let's go show the religious people who killed you. You're alive. Yeah, what are they going to say to that? Like, let's change the world, Jesus. And Jesus does something shocking. He's like, he almost lectures them. Like, yeah, now you're, you're not supposed to know those details. You're going to be my witness. Oh, yeah, and I'm leaving. Wait, what? Did you just say you were leaving? Where is he going? What the heck, Jesus? Like, all the momentum is in our favor. You are alive. You were dead three days ago, and now you're alive, and we should go show people. We should tell the world with you that you are alive, and you, now you're just going to play hide and seek on us? Like, what the heck, God? This makes no sense whatsoever. Why would Jesus leave now when all the momentum is in our favor? Let me put it to you like this. I think you'll understand this a little bit better, how they felt, right? Let's pretend we're all at a basketball game. In fact, this basketball game is, is pretty important. It's the state championship. 
and your friend, your daughter, your son is playing in the game, and it's a nail-biter. The whole game, we're going back and forth, bucket after bucket, and there's 15 seconds left in the game. It's tied, and the opposing team has the ball. And you don't have a voice left because you've been yelling at the refs all day long. You're biting your nails. You don't know what's going to happen. And so the opposing team brings the ball up with, with the idea that they're going to run the clock out, shoot the last shot, and win the game. And so as they bring the ball up, 10 seconds left, your son, your daughter, your friend steals the ball and has a breakaway to win the game. All the defenders are behind them. All, all she or he's got to do is go. She gets close to the rim, and all she got to do is make this bucket, and the game's going to be over. And as she approaches the basketball, your coach calls a timeout. Oh, no, he didn't. Like, are you serious? What are you doing? How dumb of a move is that? That's how the early church and early followers of Jesus felt when he left. And he said, what are you doing? You just came back to life. No one comes back to life, and now you're going to leave when we need you the most. And you know what they had to learn to do? They had to learn to trust God's plan, even when they didn't get it. Even when it didn't make sense. And isn't that what we've been talking about for seven weeks, right? Proverbs 3, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And to do that, there's going to be times where you don't lean on what you understand, where you might, all the pieces to you might not add up. You might not see how it makes sense, but you're going to learn to submit to God and let him direct the path because he sees a bigger picture than you. And the early followers, the early disciples had to live this passage out right here and right then because God did have a plan and he was going to use them. He revealed it to him in Acts chapter one, verse eight. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And guess what? You will be my witnesses. I'm going to use you. You don't need me. I'm going to leave the spirit of God to direct you, to guide you. And I'm going to use you to change the world. Right, Because God's plan for telling the world about Jesus is us. It was them. It's, it's, it's us. It, it, that falls on our responsibility. God left. Jesus went to go prepare a place for us. Speaking of preparing a place, I can't wait next, for next week and the next four weeks to talk about heaven and what it's going to be like. But, but God's plan for telling the world about himself, about Jesus, is us. It falls on our shoulders, and he uses this term. He says, you're going to be my witness. I love that term because if you, you just think about a witness, right, legally. You know, in, in the court of law, you bring in a witness to, 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 to give testimony, to share what they've experienced and what they've seen. And that's exactly what Jesus asks of us. That's exactly what he asks his early followers. He said, I want you to go into your towns, into your cities, to your workplaces, and I just want you to tell people about what I've done in your life. I want you to tell them your experience and what you saw me do, and I promise through your witness, we'll change the world. We'll change people's lives through your impact. And on a day like today, right, it's open baptism. We're going to see people go public with their faith. I have a question for us as Christians, as Christ followers, as disciples. Should someone be getting baptized today because of your witness? Right, I know you thought, man, we were just going to celebrate today and here, come on, Drew, I thought I had a week off. You got to come after me? But seriously, think about that question for a second. Should, someone, should somebody be getting baptized today because when you, you went to work every day and you couldn't shut up about how awesome and how gracious and how good Jesus is? 
that your testimony was so bold and courageous that it impacted people's lives. At first, they didn't want to hear it. At first, they didn't believe it. But then they saw in you day after day, and you wouldn't shut up, that it impacted other people in your dorm, in your, in your college, in your office, in your home, where you just couldn't stop talking about how good Jesus is. Should somebody be going public with their faith because you were passionate about Jesus? Jesus looked at his earnest followers. He's like, hey, you're going to have to trust me, and you're going to be my witness. And these were kind of like Jesus' final words before he left and went to, to prepare heaven for us. And there's another section in, in, in the Bible, Matthew 28, where he shares similar words right at the, uh, before he leaves. Look at Matthew chapter 28. It says this, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now let's pause here. This is interesting to me. Okay, Jesus just died, he resurrected from the grave, and he comes back with his 11 disciples, right? It's only 11 because Judas is gone. And, and they see Jesus, they see that he's alive, they see that he's come back to life, and the scriptures say that some still doubted. Man, seriously, how can you doubt? And it just shows you how hard trust is. How difficult it is to fully trust God. Even his disciples doubted him, even though they saw the evidence of him. And look what Jesus says to him in verse 18. He says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Again, some of Jesus' final words to his early followers, his disciples. And look what he says to him. He says, Hey, you know what I want you to do? I want you to make disciples. Right? If you do anything after I leave, I want you to go after people. I want you to love people into a relationship with me. I want you to make disciples. How do you make disciples? Well, you become a witness. You share your experience. You tell people what God has done in your life. Because guess what people can't argue with? They can't argue with your testimony. They can't argue with what God has done in your life. He says, go make disciples. And here's the, here's the reality. Here's the prerequisite. In order to make a disciple, you have to be a disciple. What is a disciple? How do I become a disciple of Jesus Christ, a follower of Jesus Christ? What does that even look like? Well, the Apostle Paul makes it very clear. In Romans chapter 10, look what he says. To be a disciple, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so to step into a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul says two things have to happen. Two action steps. You have to confess with your mouth. You have to confess in your language that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is who he said he was, that he is my rescuer, he is my, 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 my provider, he is my savior. He stepped in my place, paid for my sin, and defeated it on that cross and through his resurrection. I gotta declare that with my mouth or with my language, how I speak. And then secondly, you gotta believe it in your heart. It's gotta be in the depths of your, your heart saying, I believe that Jesus not only died, but he came back to life to give me victory. And the Bible says, when you do those two things, when you confess and when you believe, something supernatural happens, you are saved. You're rescued from your sin that separates you from God. Jesus crashed down that barrier and he gives you a way to get back to God. Salvation. And after that moment, there's two things that distinguish a disciple, right? After salvation, there's two distinguishing marks of a disciple, two of them. One was public baptism and ongoing growth. 
When you got saved, you next step, immediately you got baptized. You publicly said, I'm following Jesus and I want people to know it. And then you continued to look more and more like Jesus. It's called sanctification. In fact, look what Jesus said to him. He says, hey, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations to all people. And when you make a disciple, guess what you do? You baptize them. You baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And here's here's what's the irony of this. If you lived in the early church era, you probably never find a follower of Jesus who wasn't baptized because they were simonious with each other. They worked hand in hand. You got saved and you got baptized. You made it clear. And so the conclusion we come to is a disciple, a follower of Jesus should be baptized. They should make that public declaration Baptism is kind of a church word, churchy word. I mean, what is is baptism, right? Well, baptism is actually just a picture. It's a symbol of something on the the outside that's changed on the inside, right? I like to say it like this. Baptism is a public display of an inward change. It's something that you do in front of your family and your friends and your local church and you, 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 you display it publicly. You make this declaration publicly of something that's changed on the inside of you. And when you think about the word baptism, if you ever wondered why we do baptism the way we do is because the actual word baptismo means to be immersed in water. It means to be dunked. It means to be submerged in water and that picture is important. So when you see someone baptized today, it's a picture of what Christ has done for us, that that, that he died and was buried and then he raises back to life. And that picture is that our old life is going away through Jesus Christ and we are being raised to new life. The old is gone and the new has come. And so baptism is a huge part of being, being, being a Christ follower, right? You get saved and then you get baptized. In fact, Jesus says to his early followers, he says, go be my witnesses. And so they take his word seriously. And so in Acts chapter 2, Peter goes out into the town and the village. And guess what he does? He just preaches the gospel. He preaches what Jesus had accomplished in his life. He preaches about Jesus is alive. And, and the crowd listening that day was overwhelmed. They were, they were amazed by his words, and they asked Peter this question in Acts chapter 2. They're like, hey, what should we do? And Peter says this. He says, repent and be baptized. Peter says two steps, and they're very important, and they have to be in the right order. The first thing he says is you got to repent. And again, another churchy word. But repentance is just simply turning and going a different direction. It's doing a 180 And repentance is you are walking in your sin, but when you meet Jesus, when you confess with your mouth that he is Lord and you believe in your heart that he saved you and that he raised you from, he raised from the dead, you turn and you repent from your old way and you walk into a new way. And so Peter says you repent and then guess what you do? You get baptized. You publicly declare the repentance that you've experienced in your life. He could have easily been like, oh no, no, just repent. No, he says repent. And be baptized, it's important. So two conclusions that we can come to when we, when we think about baptism. Number one, baptism is a command from God. And I'm gonna press in just a little bit here this morning. If you're a follower of Jesus, right, you've crossed that line of faith where Jesus is your forgiver and he's your leader and you haven't been baptized after that decision, you're living in disobedience to the God you declare you follow. It's a command from God. It's clear in scripture that baptism happens after repentance, after you follow Jesus, and after that moment, you get baptized. But then secondly, we've been talking about trust for seven weeks. 
I, I, you're probably at the point where like, hey, you're like, man, I'm, I'm tired of hearing that word, trust, right? But baptism, really, when you think about baptism, baptism is your declaration, your personal declaration of your trust in God. When you get baptized, you are saying in that water, hey, I no longer trust me with my life, but I'm trusting in my Savior. He is my God and I'm following him. And if you study the early church, what's amazing to me, what's so amazing to me is how passionate people were to get baptized after they got saved. And we see that in the same book, the book of Acts, because there's this Ethiopian official and he's reading the scrolls, he's reading the Bible and he doesn't fully understand them. We probably can relate to that. Right, you read your Bible sometimes and you're just like, man, I, I, I don't know, I don't fully get this. And what happens in this story is he reads the Bible, he doesn't fully understand it, and then Peter comes alongside of him and he explains it to him. He tells him about Jesus, he, he preaches the gospel, and this Ethiopian official in that moment gets saved. He says yes to Jesus, he, he confesses with his mouth and he believes in his heart. And as they travel back, they have this journey back. We pick up the story here, look what it says. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch, that's the Ethiopian official, said, look, here is water. It's almost as if this Ethiopian official knew, like as they're on the journey, as he's looking out the window of the bus or whatever he was riding in, I'm not sure, but he's looking out the window and he's in desperate mode just to find a puddle. Like, I just need to find a, a body of water because I, I'm ready to, to go public with my faith. I'm ready to tell the world that I follow Jesus. He's like, just give me some water so I can do this, so I can live in obedience to God. And I love what he says, says next. Look what he says. He says, what can stand in my way? What can get in my way of me following, trusting, and obeying my Savior. And can I ask you today, follower of Jesus, what's getting in your way? Are you follow Jesus, but yet for some reason you haven't publicly declared him? What, what's getting in your way today that would stop you from today being your moment where you say, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm publicly going to declare Jesus in my life. I'm publicly going to say there's been a change inside of me that only Jesus could produce. And I want my church, I want my family, I want my friends to know what's in your way. And I'll talk about some things that I think get in our way. Some of you just have questions. Right? Maybe today you would say, Drew, Drew I, I just don't know if baptism's for me. Because I was, I was baptized as a baby. Is, is baptism something I should do? And my answer for you is yes. Because we understand in the scriptures that baptism happens after salvation. And salvation is a personal choice. And here at Northridge Church, we don't baptize babies, we dedicate them. And, and dedication is very important in, in a parent's life, in a kid's life, where we say to God, these children are yours and we wanna push them to you. It's very important, but we don't baptize them because baptism has, happens after salvation, after we step into a relationship with Jesus. And it's also a personal choice, right? And so when you're a baby, you're just honoring your, your parents and what they are choosing for you, but baptism is your personal choice to say, I'm gonna go public with my faith. And so if you were baptized as a baby, and you haven't been baptized and you follow Jesus, today is your day. Or maybe you're here today and you know what, Drew, I, I want to, but I'm just nervous. I'm afraid. Like it's a bold step to stand up in front of your, your church, your family, your, your peers publicly. Like I, I'm terrified, Drew. I don't even like crowds. 
And here's what I know. I know the enemy often uses our fear to keep us paralyzed from God's best in our life. And I believe today in, in, in the name of Jesus that you can trust God enough to overcome your fear. And I believe he has a blessing for you on the other side of your faith. Today can be your day where you overcome your fear and you publicly declare Jesus in your life. Some of you are like, man, Drew, I'm ready. But listen, I didn't know today was coming. I'm not prepared to get baptized. <laughs> well, I got good news. We're prepared for you. Man, I, I was out back. They got male and female bags. They got underwear, hair gel, hair dryers. You name it. We got it. You're going to go home with more than you came with today. <laughs> and here's what you need to know. Our team, we were prepared because we've been praying for you. Because we believe today is your day. Maybe you're here today and you're like, Drew, I, I want to, but I'm just not sure I, I, I have a relationship with Jesus. I'm not sure I'm saved, Drew. What do I do then? Well, I would challenge you to stand up and go back because guess what? We got a team waiting for you to introduce you to Jesus, to walk you through the gospel, to answer any questions you have. And good, good news, if that's you today, you can do it the early church way where you get saved today and you get baptized all in the same day. Today is your day. Yeah. And I think this last reason is hard for people. Right, because some of you today, you're like, Drew, I, I want to get baptized. But, but here's the deal. Like, I, I'm nervous that people are going to judge me because when I get in that tank, I know some people know my story here. And they know I've got a past full of regret and poor choices. And, and I, it's messy, Drew. You don't even know how messy it is. And I'm afraid that when I get in that tank, people are going to think like, nah, they don't belong there. I know their past. And here's what I want you to know. I want you to know something about God is our God specializes at taking broken pasts and bringing bright futures. Come on, church. You believe that? And here's what I need you to know about this church. Here's what I need you to know. I'm not talking about buildings. I'm talking about the people. Can I tell you today, people who know your broken past have been praying that you would be in that water because none of us are worthy of that water. That's Jesus and what he accomplished for us. And so you won't get judgment today. You know what? You'll get celebration from the people who are praying and banking that God has a bright future for you today. And so today is your day. Let me put it to you like this, and then we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do this. We've all been to a wedding, right? And there's a special moment in every wedding where you know, the bride and the groom, they, they exchange rings and, and vows and they tell in front of their family and friends how much they love each other and committed to each other. And, and after that moment, they, they actually turn and they hold hands and they, they face their family, they face the people that they invited to that day and the person performing that ceremony stands behind them and he makes a declaration. He says, I, I now pronounce you as husband and wife. And what that declaration is, is it's declaring a change that two individuals have now become one family, that two individuals are now joined together as one before God in marriage. Now, can you imagine at a wedding day where that declaration is about ready to be, to, to be made, the, 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 the performer, he goes and he says, hey, I now, and the, and the, the bride and the group is like, hold on a second. Uh, you know, this has been fun, but... We're not so sure about this like declaration thing. Could you just give us six months to a year? Like we love each other, but eh, we're just not ready to, to, to publicly declare this, okay? Can you imagine what that happened at a wedding? 
That video go viral real fast. But here's the truth. That's how many Christians live today. Where we walk in a relationship with Jesus, but for some reason we won't publicly declare him through baptism. For some reason we say to Jesus, Jesus, give me six months or a year and, and then I'll take that step. No, 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 no. Today is your day. Today is the day where you say to Jesus and your family, I follow him. He's changed me from the inside out. And it's where you declare your trust. We've been talking about this word. This is what I love about today. It's today. If, you, if, you, if you're ready to get baptized, you follow Jesus and you haven't been baptized, you get to publicly declare your trust in him. Even though you're nervous, you're afraid, because at the end of the day, trust is a choice. It's a choice every day for all of us to say, God, I, I know it doesn't make sense. God, I know I don't get it. God, I know I'm afraid, but I'm going to choose to trust you. Amen. So y'all ready? Y'all ready? I'm ready. So we're going to do this, right? This is your moment. This is your chance to publicly declare it. And so let me give some instructions. I'm going to count to three, and we're, we're going to do this. And so if you're watching online, I know it would be easy if you're watching online to think that this moment isn't for you, but it is. If you are watching online and you follow Jesus, but you haven't been publicly baptized, let me tell you what to do. Turn off the stream right now. Get your butt in your car, and you drive to one of our campuses, and we will baptize you. Will you walk in that door, and you say, I want to get baptized? We'll be ready for you. If you live outside the area, you go to iwant.info, and you say, hey, I want to get baptized, we will come to you. We, will, we believe in this so much that we will drive to you. We will get your family and friends, and we will, we will baptize you because we believe in that. And so you let us know, and this church will do whatever it takes to get to you. If you're at Rochester or you're at Webster, when I count to three, you're just going to stand up, and you're going to go back out the doors. At Webster, you can go back either doors that you came in. In Rochester, we're going to go out these two doors. There's going to be people waiting for you to push you to the right direction. And so if you're not getting baptized today, you've been baptized, your job is to shout and scream and celebrate and clap and motivate these people to get out of their seat and go get baptized. So here we go. If you haven't been baptized and you follow Jesus, this is your moment. I'm going to count to three and you're going to get up and you're going to go. All right, ready? Go, go. One, two, three. Come on, you go. Let's go. Come on, you go. Come on, let's go. Let's go, baby. Come on. Come on, let's go. Woo, come on. You do it. Come on. You don't have to be afraid. Let's go, baby. Let's go, baby. Let's go. Woo. Let's go. Come on. You're watching online. You get to your car. Let's go. Woo. Come on, let's go, baby. Woo! Man, that never gets old, does it, church? It never gets old. And the great news is I got all day. That water is warm. Football can wait. I'll be here all day baptizing people in the name of Jesus. So here's a couple things I need you to know. I need you to know a couple things. Number one, for those of us who aren't getting baptized today, I want today to be a reminder to you, a challenge to you that we are God's witnesses, right? And so when you leave here today, take that excitement that you feel and, and take it to your workplace and tell people about what Jesus has done in your life. The reason why we're here is because someone witnessed to us before. And so let's go, let's share our faith and earmark today and earmark a year from now because in a year from now, we're gonna do another open baptism. 
And our goal as Christ followers is that next year someone should get baptized because we wouldn't shut up about Jesus. So you are his witnesses. Number two, let's go crazy, right? We're gonna watch a bunch of people get baptized today. And I'm giving you permission, not that you need it, to dance, to sing, to celebrate, to shout, to scream. And let's, let's just shake the walls of our church building in, in exaltation and adoration to what God has done for in our church. Can I tell you, it's a blessing to be a part of a church that gets to baptize people. And that's not anything we did. It's all that God does. And so let's praise him. Let's celebrate today. And lastly, if maybe you're afraid to stand up. Maybe you're just like, ah, Drew, I, I, I want to, but I don't know. Well, you can still have an opportunity. We're going to sing some songs. We're going to watch a video of Life Change. At any moment, you're ready to make that decision. You just go back out the doors. You go out the doors. You get in your car. You go to IWant.info. We're ready for you. We're prepared for you. And let's celebrate today. So here's what we're celebrating. We're celebrating Life Change. And so we want to share three stories, three stories of how God has worked in people's lives, and their lives have been changed.